0: Gym podcast. Saki, so before we even get started, uh-huh. question: okay. Yes, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: An astronaut? Not. A gardener, maybe. Oh, I quite fancied being the person that injected the jam in the donuts in Morrison's. Uh, okay. But being seriously, never had a career progression path. We never sat down. I mean I'm talking about my parents I just wanted to be content with life even as a young kid and I'll talk about a turning point in my life and wanted to see others happy as well so growing up uh, in an economically deprived area I'm still living there by the way so I enjoy it okay so that's what I wanted to be so profession wise nothing but life wise I just wanted to be happy and see others happy as well
0: okay so, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned happy because I think you can ask some you know, some of the most interesting people, you yourself being one of them, is if you ask them what is happiness, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to describe. So, I suppose, what, what is happiness
1: to you, Saku? For me, it's contentment. Okay. So, happiness with what you have. So, not a big aim to reach out and ask for more, but make the most of what you have. and that can be you know financially what you have so you live within your means and you can still be happy you know you see all of the news about homeless people being happy and even recently with the snows there was a large percentage of homeless people who didn't want to move into shelters for three four days because that's not where they were happy they were happy out there in the streets interacting with people For me, life is all about interacting with people, having that meaningful communication in everyday life. Okay, cool.
0: So, I guess obviously from from my point of view, I've known you for for well since 2010, Uh and you you was one of my first mentors, and you kind of you in fact you as a person who made me want to get into LND. Because before meeting you, I I didn't know what L&D was. I didn't know what training and development was. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you was literally the person who who said, I want to be like that person. So, for me, I know who exactly you are. But if I was to ask you who is Mm Sakib, but I want you to sum it up in like a a movie logline or a summary, what what would that be?
1: It would be The Boy Who Believed. Okay. The Boy Who Believed. I like that. So, it's a case of all about giving people chances and believing in, you know, whatever is ahead of you. So if there's certain obstacles, tasks, challenges, the fact that you can overcome them, that's what it's all about. And I didn't have an easy journey into L D. It was a very, I'm not going to say difficult one, but it did land on me by surprise. And it's probably the one that then just unleashed Sakib into the world of L&D. So prior to that, I quite enjoyed, you know, dealing with customer complaints, you know, frontline customer queries, that was me. I was content with that. Okay. And then when this opportunity came along, and there was certain uh, things that happened beforehand which led to this opportunity, which if I can just mention. Yeah, go for it, yeah. So I'd been in this job for maybe five, six years, loved it to bits. There wasn't much progression happening. Then one day one of my friends came around to my house and before he came, he just rang me and he says, "Sackaby, you're free this evening. I just want to come round. And that whole thought process, what does he want? You know, I've not seen him in a couple of years. Why does he want to come to my house now? <laughs> so, and you know, when you're too shy, you're embarrassed to ask, or you don't want to embarrass them. Yeah, yeah, come on down. Uh, you know, uh, you're welcome anytime. So he goes, yeah, I'll be home at your house for about seven-ish, no worries. And he came round. So. You know the traditional thing hospitality comes out i was just having you know some snacks some tea some drinks and uh, i still haven't plucked up the courage that why have you come to see me for and then he said look i'm enrolling on a college course it's a pgce to become a teacher the council are running it and it's not going to cost you anything and i'm looking for a partner to join me in this two-year adventure and when he said adventure and i thought going back to college, uni, you know, two years, part-time. And for me, what clicked was, why did he choose me? You know, he could have picked anyone. And why was he sharing such good news, such knowledge? Why did he want me to, you know, succeed and do well? No reason whatsoever. And I thought, you know what, he's genuine. So I enrolled on the course, we actually buddied up, I got somebody else and so there were three of us in the end, and we helped each other through the two years, which was a solid graft, you know, working full time, doing this as well every Wednesday evening, and having some inspirational teachers as well. And it got me through this whole buddy system. You know, you can call it communities of practice. And then from there on in, I thought, you know, there are lots of genuine people out there who just care about you. I want you to do well because they're also doing well, and then as a result of that, you know, the L and D position came up. I applied for it, and they noticed that I'd done one year of my PGCE, and that really, really helped when it came to doing the presentations and putting together some uh, lesson plans, which meant I was successful in getting the role, and I've not looked back since. Okay, so
0: I think with, when you mentioned, you know, there's, there's some there's genuine people out there massively I believe that I think hmm but one of the things we should touch upon you said you know you had your full-time job and you're doing you're doing this uh-huh. but you also missed out the fact that you do you probably would have been at that time doing things with the local community so I guess you know this is kind of one of the things which mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know about you I don't I don't I don't think a lot of people know about it yeah. maybe maybe your community local community mm-hmm. but you, you do a lot with
1: local mosques and stuff yeah. uh, I do I've been involved from a very very young age And again, that says back to your childhood, when somebody starts off something, you know, when you get the youth who will say nowadays, and I completely agree with them that, you know, they are bored, there's nothing to do. And whereas, you know, our generation might say, we found things to do. But now I think it's our duty to help these youngsters to find things to do. And somebody did help me. Uh, We did, we used to attend regular classes on a Sunday. and even though they were at a mosque, they weren't always religious-based classes. So, I you know you'd learn a bit about religion. Uh, we went canoeing, you know, for a 10, 11-year-old, you know, from that background, going canoeing in a canal in Ashton. And I thought, this is amazing, wow. You know, there's a, there's a world out there which needs exploring. And then as a result of that, you know, we do other activities, which was football as well and hiking and that really really brings you i'm gonna say a bit of harmony okay so that word again that comes in is contentment but you are in harmony with the world and you think oh there's lots of nice people out there yeah and there are more nice people out there and this is why i'm a firm believer that you know we always look at the media you pick up the tabloids or the news and you'll hear nothing but negative headlines, but when you go out there in the real world, you'll just meet the nicest people in the world, yeah. who change lives without even knowing they've changed lives. So outside, yes, I do, I do try, I do a lot because I believe that lots of people have helped me on my way as well, whereas they didn't need to. And there was this gentleman who once where I didn't turn up for maybe four weeks on the trot because we used to have the class, we used to play football afterwards. And, you know, as an 11-year-old, football is the be-all and end-all. And Because I didn't turn up for four weeks, and the genuine reason was because Saturday night on BBC, you'd always see a good movie on, (laughs) which meant that you'd go to bed late, so you couldn't get up the next morning for class. So, God, please forgive me for that one. (laughs) And this bloke, who himself was only early 20s, he turned up at my house. And uh, my mum opened the door and he said, it's I'm just a bit worried he's not turned up for the last four weeks. And again, it makes you think, you know, why? And he was just genuinely concerned. And as a result of that, you know, you actually take that in without knowing you're taking that in and you carry that with you in the hope that you can then go and change other people's lives. And so in the community, uh, I do teach at the mosque uh, on a weekly basis. And part of that is, believe it or not, uh, you get to speak to people who have uh, all sorts of issues. Uh, sorry to lower the tone, but domestic violence. People will come and want to chat with you, even though you're not clued up on the subject. You'll read up what the law says, etc., and you'll try and offer some neutral advice and some career guidance for people and some parents who are concerned about the children going off the road. You know, and so. Finding time for them. And I always thought, you know, and then I speak to my family, you know, when you turn up late at home, et cetera, where were you? And they're all okay with it. They're easy with it. Yeah. And the ultimate test is when I say, look, I'm just going to quit all this community work. And that's when your family, your wife and your kids say, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And therefore, you know that they're happy for you to do that, you know, if need be. And then I also do a lots of, uh, for the mosques, uh, teacher training. So we're looking okay. at, you know, training hundred teachers at a time, making it eventful, exciting in that way. And it's something I really, really enjoy because I believe I've got a passion and a skill for it. And why not pass it on? Why hoard the knowledge? Why not give and inspire others to do so?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think one thing what I can hear coming from back, I guess, is one, you you kind of um one thing I've noticed about it to be honest second is you always see the best in people, even mm-hmm. in what could be deemed a not great situation. You Uh always see the best. And I think, you know, you mentioned about creating experiences and stuff like that. And I guess if I wasn't so lucky to have you as a mentor, then I probably wouldn't have known that learning could have been an experience. It can be an experience. It can have this emotional impact on you. Mm -hmm. And it has that butterfly effect of what they learn and what they push out. So I guess, yeah, I think it's just you you don't really boast about it. And not many people don't really know about it, but I just thought
1: it was good to put it out on it. Yeah, that's just me. I mean, you've got me in this podcast and I've said it. And uh, I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of listeners are going to be out there. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Again, hope. So, you know, unconditional positive regard. It's about hope that everyone has in it that, you know, this positive change or the ability to change. And you accept people for who they are.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. I mean, I used to be anti-technology a long time ago <laughs> and maybe still are to some degrees. But when you look at the n- younger generation, because I was just telling the kids over Christmas, I said, you know, Christmas for me was different. So we'd buy the Radio Times and the TV Times and you'd circle the movies you wanted to watch. And I said, now with you, you've already watched them on Netflix. Yeah, Yeah. And that excitement isn't there. So, you know, we need to come down to the level of our next generation, we need to embrace the change, or what they accept as a norm, and go with it. Because yeah. let's not try and bring them to our way of thinking. You know, maybe throw in a few nuggets here and there, and talk about the good times where you built dens, you know, in abandoned factories, <laughs> which you know health and safety wouldn't allow nowadays. Yeah. You know, and you know, where you take the laces at your dad's shoes for conkers. Yes. Things are different, and now you know you've got velcro shoes and you might struggle for laces, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good shout. It's a good shout. I think
0: the. I was having this conversation with my nephew. Uh-huh. Um, my nephew's into Xboxing and gaming and online gaming, and that's cool. Um, but I remember I took him the other week to what um play Manhunt in the woods. Oh, right. This is before I did my knee uh-huh. and um it was a case of let's play manhunt he didn't know what manhunt was I'm like wow this this was like one of the best games when I was young making dens manhunt conkers was good and kickball eyed I think kickball eyed was more of a round of where he was lived whether that game existed or not right but it was literally you put a ball on the spot you kick it the person runs and gets this ball mm-hmm. and by that time you've you've kind of hid and they've got to come and catch you pretty much hide and seek but with a ball um, but yeah I can still remember playing these where I grew up Hmm. I'm like, how many kids are going to have this in ten years' time? Are they going to look back and go, "Oh, I remember when I went on to level three on Call of Duty." <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it will. I don't know if it, if it won't. But
1: it, it's interesting and scary at the same time. So let me ask you, Danny, what you've described were all meaningful experiences, yeah. things that shaped your life, things that you can reminisce over. Now. Will the next generation have the same? Like you said, will they be there, gathered with their mates? Remember, on level three, you could do this. There was a backdoor entry to escape from the submarine. Uh, I don't know. Will they?
0: It's interesting. I think, like when we talk, when I talk to my friends and we talk about like cartoons and stuff from back in the day, you know, Thundercats, Ghostbusters, Turtles, and you can talk about them because everyone was doing that same thing. Everyone was watching Thundercats or whatever, but it wasn't like. You know, we—that was a small part of a conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. you when you reminisce, you talk about, like, say, playing out, playing out with your friends, and I just think our kids going to have that playing out with friends anymore? Probably not. It's going to predominantly the conversation is going to be led by gaming.
1: But then, to a certain degree, can we impose our experiences, our ideas on them? Um, I don't think we can impose. I think we can direct, Mm -hmm.
0: and then. We we divert them and say you know the road less traveled. It's up it's, yes. it's up to you which way you want to go. But uh-huh. over here is a load of enjoyment, and this is what I used to do as a child. You mm-hmm. might not like it, you might do. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the biggest learning things I ever had was I went doing um, national citizenship service um, with Bolton Lads and Girls Club, and literally it was me just mentor. Well, me and another girl, and we just mentored um, a group of 15 16 year olds, young adults, and. We, it was a nightmare. Taking the la- the mobile phone from him was a nightmare. We could have it back for one hour. Mm-hmm. But by taking it away from him, we had to fully engage with what was going on. And throughout the week, it was challenging your fears and you know working in community, and we loved it. Right. And then you could see him getting into it and working as a community, a little community, a little team. But give him the phone back for an hour and then ask him to take the phone back off him, it uh-huh. kicked off again. I'm like, wow, for the last four hours, you've just enjoyed working with with your friends yeah. or with these people give them a the phone for an hour take it back off them and we spit it's that whole storming in performing yes but it was just giving them the out the phone back for an hour and they turned into devil kids and I'm just like that what this was what probably about four years ago mm-hmm. and so these were young adults so what four years 16 17 they're probably about 19 now 20 or something but when I look at say my nephews and stuff like that I just think Ooh. So I'll take the phone off them or tell me you can't have your Xbox, literally they'll be burning the house down. Um, but it's, yeah, it's scary. I, f- I think it's interesting and scary, It's probably to say.
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. Uh, it is tough. I Actually, I love social experiments in the way that. So if I said to you, Danny, what do you think of the movie Back to the Future? Yep. What would you say? I think it was awesome.
0: I can remember the, the trainers, the velcro, the tight self trying, the, the uh-huh. hoverboards. I can remember Doc, yeah. Mm-hmm. Loved it. And I loved it and I loved waiting for number two to come out back to the future too. And you know, I can yes. I can talk about that whole and um, what I was doing. I can also yeah. remember exactly as a child where I was, where
1: I lived, and kind of loosely but mm-hmm. what was going on. So what I remember from that movie is that it required one point two one gigawatts yeah. of energy. <laughs> to get to 88 miles an hour. So when you speak to other people about the moving back to the future, they'll say, well, it's about outdated and the technology we have now. So it was good in its time. So what I did was I went and I bought the box set and uh, only paid a fiver for it, by the way. Bargain? Yep. So I'm not gonna say I made, but this was movie night, popcorn out. and I said to the kids, right, Here's the Back to the Future trilogy. Let's watch part one. I watched it as a kid. Watched out the pictures. That cinema doesn't exist anymore. And so straight away, my son, oh, look at this. This is really old. I don't want to watch this. And Let's just go with it. Give it a chance. And at the end of it, he said, can we watch part two? I said, we're well into the night now cuz no 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 it's really good i want to watch part 2 <laughs> yeah and for them because i hadn't talked about back to the future before mentioned how good it was and that so when they went in there there were no expectations and they really really enjoyed the movie and this is why i think you know simple things that bring families together bring people together board games you know caravan holidays camping and when you in them conditions, in that climate, when you play the board games, you can get Monopoly online now, but it's not the same thing as you know, four of you round a board, throwing the dice, you know, and moving the counters, yeah. and obviously stealing money from the bank when no one's looking. It just adds so much more.
0: Well, it's it's, it's really interesting. We talk about communities and I was I've been reading um, a couple of books recently. One of them was about tribes, and it's saying how. You need a tribe to thrive. You always have done, you know. It's, uh-huh. it's kind of and y- your local tribe is your family. I mean, I found something out really interesting the other day. You know, if you if you can water and feed a baby, a brand new baby, uh-huh. but if they don't have skin to skin contact, they'll die.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just like, wow, that's that's bizarre. We need that connection. So yeah, it's a failure to connect. That's what it's called. Failure failure of contact. Mm. And um, and it was talking about how. You know, you need that, there's that thing of you need to feel connected. Mm-hmm. And I think online, yeah, you get the online. You're talking to a voice. Maybe it's your friends, maybe it's not. But you won't be that whole thing of, gather- like say, gathering around Monopoly. Mm-hmm. You know, picking which piece you want and whatever else. And kind of mm-hmm. just all in all, just having, like, right now in my family, we do this thing where we all get together every once every two, three week, And it's something what my mum's put in place because we've all grown up and we've
1: all left. Is it a placeholder in your diary? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what
0: it is. A placeholder. And we'll eat junk food. We'll probably eat rubbish food. Mm-hmm. And we'll play games like Pictionary. And we'll play old school games. At no point has anyone brought out a, oh, let's all play on Xbox. And like, oh. there's something to that. Because Pictionary, you can play Pictionary online. Y- you can yes. do that. You can definitely do that. And you can play all those other games. But it just lacks that connection. It lacks that feel, I think. So you you as one of the people, I think, um, Mm Rodal. So you used to be to your kids, Rodal stuff like that, yeah? Um, So you give me one bit of advice years and years ago, and it's something what I've kind of continued to do now. Go back to being a child. Go Mm -hmm. back to being a child and kind of start thinking a little bit creative as I feel. And just think outside the box. And the only way you can do that is by, I think, by thinking like a child. You know, there's no limits. You can do whatever you want to do. So excluding Rodal. Yes, What's the, what, if you had to give a book as a gift to five people,
1: what book would you give? What book would I give? I would actually give, it's a book by Philippa Pierce called The Way to Satin Shore. Okay, so it's set on the south coast somewhere and it's about this girl who sets out on this adventure on her bike from one village to another to find out the truth about her missing father. And you know what? And the reason why it probably appeals, or appealed to me was, firstly, I had it read to me at school. Okay. And very, very recently, I'm going back about three months, just sat downstairs and thought, oh, that book, what was it called? And I'm trying to think of it. And then I thought, I've got to buy this book. Like kids there's this book Mrs. Bentley read to your dad years and years ago 30 years ago it's really interesting what's it called I don't know what it's called but I do remember that it featured on Jack and Ori okay. in the 80s as well so can you remember you know who was the narrator on Jack and Ori? yeah it was, it was that woman that she came in Harry Potter yeah and uh, she she killed Harry Potter's uncle. Yeah, I mean, I don't still know who she is, (laughs) yeah. And straight away, both the kids said, it's her. So IMDb, uh, Helena Bonham Carter, yeah, that's the one. So got into Google, search, found out, and the book was called The Way to Satin Shore. We got it from the local library, and then I read it to the kids, and this is the quickest book we've ever read. One more chapter, and we were reading. On average, I'd only read to them a chapter a day. Half a chapter depending on what time of the night it was and halfway through the book i was reading four chapters a night and even though some of the chapters were short it was just such a fascinating book and my kids at the moment are 12 and nine and for them to enjoy it more than i enjoyed it second time round and it just brought back so many memories so it's got everything in there it's got your humor it's got your adventures the fact that you know they build a sledge you know to go sledging down the hill you know where people are gathered or helping the mum out with the tea and you know with the grand and the extended families and sometimes you know i'm a firm believer i grew up watching uh, the waltons okay you know and people who are of my age will know this on the podcast is that with john boy yeah john boy yeah night, john boy yeah, yeah. night, <laughs> <Yeah. Goodnight>, grandma <laughs> so that was about extended families living together how it always has been you know I'm proud to say that, you know, I live at home with my parents and my kids see this, that, you know, we've got now three generations living in one household and just the whole social skills that the little ones pick up, being able to interact with the elders with a bit of respect. And the reason why I say this is whenever I saw somebody outside, you know, if they were older than me, you know, you'd always show them respect. Just three days ago, I turned up for football on a Saturday night and there were some lads playing before us and they must have been aged between 16 to 18, no more than that. And as I was stood on the touchline, one of the lads, he he seemed okay lad, so he tried doing some nice dazzling skills and the ball went off for a goal kick and he claimed corner. And one of the other lads on the other team looked a bit rough and tough, so this is me being stereotypical here, just generalising. And straight away, he goes, stop lying, you bleep, bleep, bleep. I'll punch you into next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And this other
1: lad, he came across as all innocent, and he was, and he just walked away. And I thought, oh, my word, I'm stood on the touchline, yeah. He's not even bothered thinking that, you know, how's this guy going to take it who's yeah. the same age as his dad or his uncle. And I, And I just said to him, look, take it easy, lad. Yeah, there's yeah. no need for that. And he walked off, he didn't say anything, didn't apologise or anything. And I just believe I had to say something there. Yeah, in the hope that he didn't start on me either. <laughs> yeah. In that way. Open hills. Yeah, and so you know, basic values, I think we are missing some, but you get some great kids out there and great people out there as well. But one thing I wanna do mention is the fact that, you now let me ask you a question. Why do you come into work, Danny? Why do you work? Um,
0: that's a really good question. It's a really good question and I think I think there's there's two ways to look at it. You can go over very well. I need to I need mm-hmm. to pay for my mortgage and I need to do this and I need to do that. But you could do that doing any job you want. So I think if I rephrase the question, why is it I do what I do?
1: Uh huh.
0: I do what I do is because it stems from school. Um. Yeah. So throughout school, I remember I I was in maths and I was sat in the t- and. I, all the way throughout school, I kind of had this school report and it was always the same. Great, great student, however, la- must pay more attention, must pay more attention. Struggles uh-huh. in class to pay attention. And I remember in maths, probably in the last year before leaving, um, I remember he was doing algebra. And I sat there and he was the teacher was writing on the board. Very basic school layout, him in front, drawing on the board, me sat there, the rest of the people sat there. And remembering, I remember asking a question because I didn't get it, and I didn't get it, and I kept asking these questions, and he, it was kind of like a case of a stupid way of getting it. And I remember sitting back thinking, it's not I don't get it; I mm-hmm. just don't understand what you're writing on the board. Uh-huh. Write to that Anyway, fast forward many, many years, and went into uni, and it was a, one of my teachers called Angela, who said, "My son's got dyslexia, and I think you need to have a look and see if you've got dyslexia, dyspraxia." right so universities put me through this course and this assessment and yeah it turns out I had dyslexia and dyspraxia and I just think when I was in school it was a case of you know it probably wasn't a big issue then it you know Mm -hmm. it didn't exist probably and the teachers weren't upskilled or you know weren't aware to it but yeah I just I guess the reason why I go to school is because I think subjects now we're in a situation where the the, the user, the, the teacher, the kids, uh-huh. struggle to pay attention in life and anyway. I think was reading the average um, attention cycle is really just like six seconds or something like that. So I think, okay, so we've got to attack that six seconds in a better way than talking chalk on a board. So I, I do what I do because I believe we can make people better. I think we can make them better in the job, in the life, and just, yeah, I think... And how we make people better is why is me making things more real time. Give me what I need to know now, rather than me kind of having to sit for a boring e-learning. I mean, that's a whole, whole different ball game e-learning. But and I just think there's ways to do it. Make it experience. Make me attach an emotion to it. Make me reflect on past emotions. Make me make me enjoy my job, whether it be a mundane job or a job mm-hmm. I enjoy. And then I liked that challenge. Is probably wow. how I do it but what about
1: you a second yeah. remember the old Nokia phones when you switched them on and you'd get that ding 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 yeah. and the two hands would come out and it said connecting people
0: yeah
1: and that's what phones did but now they've gone the opposite way but I do believe deep down though is you know when people are always on the phone whether it's whatsapp Instagram etc it's because they are connecting with people but when it comes to work know people often say this that they could only work from home for so long because you know you're in isolation you've been quarantined But the reason I come into work is to have the meaningful communications and conversations with people the fact that someone can change your life and you can change somebody else's life so there's a guy called Walt Bettinger he's the CEO of Schwab in America so he did this business degree and you know clever guy Passed his exams left, right, and center. His last exam, there was a high pass mark with that one, and you had to get all the questions right in order to pass. He failed. Okay. So, that exam, the questions that were there, we went there, he answered them all business propositions, you know, plans, etc. And then the final question was what is the name of the cleaner? Okay where he was studying. So he'd been there for, for a few years. What What is the name of the cleaner? She was called Dottie, Well, he didn't have a clue, never interacted with her, never spoke with her, never said hi, never said bye. How else was he to know? And he goes, that was the biggest lesson he learned from that. Wow. So my previous job where I worked 16 years at O2, you know, we had Carol, we had Sue, yeah. and we would have meaningful conversations. We would talk about, you know, I would talk about their kids you know what they were up to etc someone started a new job can you have a look at their cv and it always always felt good and i do believe that you know every single day you've got to have a meaningful conversation with somebody at work yeah not necessarily the same person the cleaner Yeah. yeah the janitor somebody on a different floor somebody that you don't even know when you're making tea just have that conversation. I know I've always, I've also been in a position where you've tried to have that conversation. They've just ignored you. They've just blanked you. But you know, these things happen. Maybe they've got something else on their mind. But, you know, that's the reason why I come in. The fact that I can influence other people in a nice way and I can be influenced as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just touching up on that, uh, only last week we had a death in the family. It was my mum's uncle and really close to us. And we visited the hospital for, I think, five consecutive days. And my mum spent all day there for the whole five days. And uh, me and the missus would go in the evenings, would spend a couple of hours each evening there at the hospital. And, you know, my mum's uncle, he was like a grandfather to us. And he was still communicating really well, moving out and about. And he had an infection in his lungs. But for his family and for me, it was a case of, you know, to the nurses, you're coming in. Hi, hey, Trevor, you're all right today. You know, what's going on? You'd read the name badge. And they would see you every single day, always smiling. And then you would see them smile. The cleaners. There. Even though I didn't get, you know, on first name terms with the cleaners, but we were just saying, you know, apologise if they're coming down with their trolley and just having a laugh and a joke with them, saying, you know, busy night tonight, etc. And then on the Monday morning, when he sadly passed away last Monday, we stood there in the corridor hospital and all the nurses were oblivious to the fact because for them it's a daily occurrence people passing on Mm. and these two cleaners came down the corridor with their trolleys and these are the two cleaners I was interacting with you know for the last five days and one went past looked at me and she goes I'm really sorry about your loss and then the second one went past and she said exactly the same words I'm really sorry about your loss and these are You know, we can say so many times that, oh, these are cleaners, this is their job to clean up. And for me, can you see that human touch, that meaningful conversation that started? You know, in terms of consolation, that was beautiful. That was maybe just the statement that we were looking for as a family. And, you know, for that to come from the cleaners, it just shows that, you know, we all care for one another. We're all connected. And if we're not, we should connect. With one another,
0: yeah, that's good. It's nice. It's a nice, uh, as as weird as it sounds, you know, sad story, but mm-hmm. it's got the nice yeah touch to it. It's I'm sorry to a second. Okay. So, um, I guess you know you talked about exams and stuff like that, and I guess that's just I have had some sweet topics, some very unique topics which really grind my gaze It's probably uh-huh. exams, school. Um, E-learning, the list goes on, but I guess yeah, I I think the exams, I I, you know a lot of these exams are absolutely pointless. I find Mm -hmm. I I personally find the exam pointless because it's just memory recall. You know, it's it's, what's the point? I can cram everything I need in Mm -hmm. today to pass an exam tomorrow, but actually, am I going to remember that exam in a month's time? How actual valuable is that exam in in a week's time, never mind a month? I guess. Just It just got me thinking, that was, that uh-huh. was all, it just got me thinking. So, a couple of five-round questions for you, yeah. ready, Sakib Go for it. So, first one, what is, let's do it, what's your favourite um, positive-negative? And when I say that, I mean, what's something what you deem negative, what happened to you, and then somewhere down the line, maybe it's months, years later, mm-hmm. has ended up being one of your biggest positive moments.
1: Ooh, negative-positive, da-da-da-da-da-da. Negative, positive. I'm gonna pass on that, I'm gonna come back to that.
0: Okay, pass on that, come back to yeah. it, that's cool. Um okay, next one. What does the future look like for Sakib in ten years?
1: Ten years time. It's to do what I enjoy doing. Okay. And to be able to carry on doing what I enjoy doing. And that's playing. So somewhere I read that you only grow old when you stop playing. and I thought this is beautiful and I've got into this routine which is absolutely hated by my mum and the missus saying that you need to grow up so playing hide and seek with the kids even now and scaring them it's really really good when they're not expecting it so when they think I'm not home and I'll just hide behind the sofa (laughs) and spring up or hide the kids shoes just before school you know stuff like that I want to carry on doing that in 10 years time I want to carry on being able to help people out, have them meaningful conversations. In ten years' time, you know, I don't want to isolate myself. I don't want to think that you know, if you get a promotion in a job that you know, uh, you're far too big for anyone else. Yeah. I want to carry on giving.
0: It's good. It's good that my mum's an absolute nutter. Is she absolutely nutter? <laughs> and and she does exactly the same things. Like so she I, and I can remember it from a child. Right. I was watching this horror film. Uh-huh. Well, I say it was a horror film. It wasn't really a horror film. And um, she used to work nights, my mum, many years ago. And I remember she said, right, I'm going to work now. Bye, kids, blah, blah, blah. Me- and my dad, you know, took us to, to, took us to bed. Um, and what happened was my mum was off work that night. And oh. when she said she was going to work, she actually sneaks upstairs uh-huh. and lay under the bed. <laughs> and I remember we was all in bed. And at this point, I was sharing a room with my brothers. Uh-huh. And um, my bed used to have slats in, you know, what your mattress rests on. Yes. And um, so we're in bed, and I heard, he and someone was poking through the slats, lifting. I was like, oh, my days, no, no, no. Anyway, so I'm sat up and I'm asking my brother if he can remember anything. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, not if he can hear anything. And he's like, no, no, no. And my mum continued, he's putting his slats up. And I remember I jumped down off the mm-hmm. bed and she grabbed hold of my ankle. Oh, oh my days. <laughs> I literally felt, I can remember my body just going ice cold, thinking, what is going on? But that was years ago. That must have been. I must have been eight, eight and nine uh-huh. or something, and what, I'm 34 now, and I right. can still remember that like it was uh-huh. yesterday. Oh, wow. So these things that you're doing, like, yeah, you definitely need to continue doing them 100%. Okay, next five question. Yes. Um, so what's one bit of advice you hear being given to others which you think is wrong? That's a
1: tough question, I know. Ooh, one piece of advice. What you yeah, hear is
0: maybe I not know. wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe not wrong. Maybe it's one mm-hmm. bit of advice mm-hmm. what you hear given to people. We're like, oh, I probably
1: won't agree with that. See, I could never have been a stage actor, Danny. Spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I did a s- soliloquy, then that would have been different. So, one piece of advice.
0: Okay, let's, let's flip
1: it on its head. Let's uh-huh. do it this way.
0: What's the one bit of advice you would give to someone? If you, What's the one bit of advice mm-hmm. you would give to someone for someone who is entering the world of learning and development?
1: I would ask them. To write down the reason why they've entered. So what is their objective? Yeah? Okay. What is the goal that they want to achieve in learning and development? Yeah. And then simply... Write down the steps to go and achieve it. Because it's a big world out there, learning and development. Massive, absolutely massive. You know, you you mentioned e-learning. Yeah. And uh, I think (laughs) e-learning is probably that word itself, you know, makes the hair stand on the back of your neck. And uh, some people enjoy it, some don't. And uh, that's probably one of the, you know, going to that question there is e-learning. Everything seems to be going e-learning. It's a bandwagon that we jump on, that everything can be, Solved by e learning. Okay. And for me, it'd be a case of look, wait up, what is it that you want to achieve? And then work towards that. And with that one, I would definitely, definitely say get yourself a mentor. Okay. Yeah, instead of making that solo journey, see, even Frodo Baggins, yeah, he couldn't have made it on his own. He had his mentor <laughs> in Gandalf.
0: <laughs> good reference, second, good reference. Okay, next one. What's. What's something in the last five years, mm-hmm. what have you become better at saying no at? Or what what realisation approach has helped
1: you do that? I think as you grow older you get white hairs like me, and then you know, head and shoulders to a certain degree, and just for men, doesn't work. I've become more patient okay. in that sense. And I've actually Say less no than before. Okay. Yeah. Just to try and help as many people as possible in that way. So I'd hardly ever say no. Even though if it's not in my skill set, I'll still say yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. What's um whenever you're feeling like overwhelmed or under focused or kind of, you know, just temp that temporary lack of focus, what's what What do you do to regain that focus or what do you ask yourself maybe
1: so that I don't isolate myself okay because I've tried it in the past and again this is probably advice I'll give others what works for you is probably best anyway is I notice that if I you know maybe go to the room and just keep myself to myself and then you know the whole thinking process goes into overdrive and then you're having conversations which you shouldn't be having and all these thoughts are being entered into your mind and i just like to take my mind off things so if i'm o- overwhelmed with work personal life etc whatever you know maybe someone's scratched your car you know uh, i remember once somebody had keyed the car across all the four panels when i woke up and i was distraught for four days and i had a conversation with a friend and he goes what's up with you i said i oh, don't you know, you know just Why would somebody keep my car? And it was though they'd done their signature all over it. It wasn't just one line. It was just scribbles galore. And uh, I said, maybe it was somebody who didn't go to school, so can't write in that sense. (laughs) And uh, I spoke with somebody about this. And my friend, he just said, he goes, forget about it. He goes, that person has obviously hurt you. I said, yeah, damn right. I've been hurt. Yeah, and I'm still hurting two days on. He goes, look inside, deep inside. And forgive that person. I said, "No way. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no way." And he says, "No, just do it. I know whatever lie, Danny. It did take a bit of effort." The next day, I said, "You know what? Absolutely forgive that person. You know, he scratched the living daylights out my car. It's going to probably cost three, four hundred quid to have it resprayed if I do go down that route. But you know what? Forget it. I forgive that person. Let's move on." And. You know what? It was just instant like a switch. It was a case of, wow, life's back to normal. Yeah, I'm not worried about this fella who's or could have been a girl for all I know, who scratched the car. And that was it. So that's you know what I thought was really, really good in that sense. So to forgive is good. Sometimes we keep hold of things for so long. And then to talk about it. I always think it's important to talk about stuff. And you no, know, sometimes with somebody neutral, not even a specialist in that subject, because you'll get some good sound advice. It becomes dangerous when you're mulling it over in your own head over and over again. And that's why I'll always say, is I remember when we did this, uh, when I trained out this piece for Tesco Mobile a few years back, it was like, whatever decision you make, you come to, Yeah, don't announce it until the next day, until you've slept on it. Yeah. Because your reaction, when it's, when it's instant, yeah, you're probably not in the right fri- frame of mind. So when you've slept on it, the next day you'll be thinking totally different. But, oops, you sent that email last night, you yeah. CC'd in every man and his dog, yeah. <laughs> and then it's that greatest regret ever. So always delay your reactions. So I guess, just kind of um, take it down a
0: bit. So mm-hmm. what's... This is going to be a hard question for you. I know it's personally just because of our ongoing, yeah, discussions. What we have on a daily basis. But if I said to you, out of the whole of L and D right yes. now in your role end mm-hmm. to end, if you could only do two hours, yes, of your role, uh-huh. your favourite two hours, what would your favourite two hours be? So I'm um, like it could be design, deliver, communication, conversation, mm-hmm. evaluation.
1: I don't know. Kickoff. It'd have to be delivery. Okay. It'd have to be delivery. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt and it would win every single day of the week because I think in delivery you are just a different person you get to act out be you know be everything you wanted to be in delivery because I think you get to entertain you become performers people and the best thing is it's that whole engagement piece with the audience as much as I think e-learning has got a place you know a rightful place where it's needed, but it's not the solution for everything. Whereas good old style delivery, it works wonders. Have you ever noticed TED Talks? They're about delivery, aren't they? When somebody stands there, nobody says, just watch this, E-Learn, navigate (laughs) your way through. Because there's no engagement. There's no inspiration. It doesn't soften the heart in any way whatsoever. And uh, you know, when it comes to delivery, (laughs) I just think, you know, sometimes you you become the focal point and again it's people think that you must know it all okay you are clued up on uh, systems on processes and how the company works but then people come to you for advice on other things I remember once this gentleman uh, who beat me twice at table tennis and then after that he didn't I thought I'd throw that in there he (laughs) he was having issues with eBay and a seller and I've never done eBay. I've never registered. And he came up to me and goes, Look, sakib I've got this query about this parcel. I've you know, I've sent it, you know, the payment's been made. They've not, you know, there's a dispute in the payment. And he said he was in the right. So I said, look, I don't do e- eBay, mate. So, you know, firstly, do you still want my advice? He goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still want your advice on this. Yeah. So what do you think I should do? Yeah. And I said, right. So what can you do? you know, in that sense. So he goes, these are the options. And then I said, look, that'd be my preferred option. I said, you know, you get put in these situations where people take everything you do f- to be gospel. Mm. And it's nice to be able to help in that way. And that's the whole thing. Delivery any day of the week. Okay. Because I think delivery changes lives.
0: Yeah, I, th- I, com- I completely agree. I think, you, you know, you're obviously, you kind of taught me, you know, the anyway. But your storytelling, I can still remember the stories which you told me mm-hmm. when in my training. That was like 2010, I can still remember that now. Mm-hmm. I can still remember going home and telling my family and like how good how good training was gonna be, how good working at O2 was gonna be yeah. and stuff like that. And I completely agree,
1: I can massively agree. I think that's maybe, you no know, it's hereditary, you know, like a lot of diseases, but storytelling as well. Because my mum, she's a great storyteller. Uh, mum's uncle that was telling you about that sadly passed on last week again another great storyteller yeah you know and this is what you learn and I think you know we undervalue our teachers teachers were great storytellers but now because of all the red tape the admin work they've got to do they don't get that opportunity mm. and I just want to give a shout out to one of my old maths teachers mr. K you know, I was in set two with the boys and we used to mess around like nobody's business we were clever guys We'd finish off our work, you know, whether it was trigonometry or Pythagoras, we'd box it off. But when it came to our GCSE, because we were in set two, we were going to be entered in the lower paper. So the highest grade we could have got was a C. Okay. But Mr. K, he saw this potential in us four lads, you know, who were very boisterous, rowdy. And, and he just sat us down. He goes, right, lads, for the next, you know, four weeks, how about you spend... half an hour of your lunch in here with me and i'm going to enter you into the higher paper and i thought you know first of all it's case you know sacrificing your lunch and then it was this person believes in us as 16 year olds you know he's sacrificing his lunch hour for us every single day for four weeks game on we did that so i actually ended up with a grade b but my three other friends got a grade A. Wow. That was because, again, somebody there to believe in them, you know, to put their effort in. So for that teacher, it wasn't a case of, right, when it comes to my APR time, I'm going to put this in as evidence. Yeah. He was genuinely concerned about our welfare and wanted us to do well. No other reason whatsoever. And that's the reason why he probably went into teaching. And that's probably the reason why you're in L&D, I'm in L&D, and everyone else out there in L&D is because they're all positive, you know, influencers on people.
0: Yeah, I think, going back to the storytelling aspects, I think, you know, if you go all the way back to, say, tribes, whatever you want to go, how far you want to go back. Yes. We didn't have no internet. Storytellers were the gospels. Storytellers were the people yeah. who could remember the details, mm. you know, and that's why when you look in these stories and, you know, how they describe a crocodile and stuff like that, yes, they had to be really... Mm. Really wordy and have really good stories because that was the only point of information where these tribes could pass on information, and I think my mum is a great storyteller. My brothers, my big brother is an absolute brilliant uh-huh. storyteller, Um but I think everyone's got storytelling in them. I think I think they have. I think some people comfortable can story. Yes. It's like you know when someone quotes a joke to you. And uh-huh. there's some people who can do the joke, and then there's some people who always get it wrong. Always, always, always yeah. Wrong and they, they do the punchline before the joke. <laughs> that's are right. like, what? And I think that's just because pressure's on them, and people yes. are like, oh, t- tell me this joke, and everyone's looking at it. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we're all natural storytellers. And, the, you know, in in our training, Saki, me and you, we always keen storytellers on a Friday before we'd, you yeah. know, we'd, we'd tell them a random story. Maybe it's about. The, the, the frogs falling down a well, maybe yes. it's about the birds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, the, the power of storytelling is absolutely
1: amazing. Yeah, maybe it was Tom selling tomatoes. Yes. Uh, and you know what storytelling has a place, there's a place in uh, Marrakesh in Morocco, and the central square, this is what they always show on TV, it's called Jama'al Fana Square. I mean, it's not a square, it's uh, actually round okay. this area. And so they've got stalls, there, all around. So during the day, I mean, it's called Jamal al-Fana, which is Arabic for the assembly of the dead, because that's where the public executions used to happen. Oh wow! You know, hundreds of years ago. But so during the day, uh, they have a bit of entertainment. So you've got you've got your monkeys there who do the tricks. You've got your snake charmers, and then come sunset, all the stalls come out, the food stalls. So people go in there, families come out there, maybe it's for fresh orange juice, a bit of hummus, you know, a tagine. But then they last for about two hours. But as soon as night sets in, about eight o'clock, the stalls disappear. Out come your storytellers. And having witnessed this, it was great. I mean, there was storytelling in Arabic and you're talking about, you know, enchanted stories that were going on. And you had the storyteller in the middle and you had a crowd all the way around, so maybe 50, 60 people. And then next to him, there's another storyteller with 50, 60 people and another one and another one. And I just found that amazing that, you know, mum, dad, you know, son, daughter have gone out there on a school night to have a bite to eat and then just stay for another 20 minutes, half an hour to listen to a story. You know, a story that's not even real, yeah. a story that probably doesn't have you know a moral to it but the fact that you know they're just taken in and just enticed by these stories was amazing
0: did the stories have any uh, business outcomes or <laughs> anything <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah wow. wow that sounds really good that sounds really good so we're in people development mm-hmm. whether lnd people development just mm-hmm. people whatever we're, we're all about the yep. people what's And obviously, I think one of the things which a lot of people do in L&D is they focus so much on giving back to other people that sometimes they forget about their own development. And, you know, I think Mm it depends on which way you look at it. You could say, well, you're learning as well. You learn how to deal with people better or whatever. But from a development point of view, what's your top three resources, what you're using right now to develop you?
1: Lynda.com. Okay. I've actually grown into Lynda.com because especially when it comes to learning new systems, lynda.com is really, really good. The fact, the way it's broken down, it's structured, you can just skip chapters and go to certain points in there. I really, really enjoy lynda.com. The other one is Google. And Google is amazing what you can do. And I'm gonna include YouTube as part of Google. Okay. And I've heard you use this example many a time, you know, when it comes to changing your brake light bulb on your car and go to YouTube. You know, you can go to your dealer and they can charge you 25, 30 pound. But well, go to YouTube and you've done it and you've learned something without even knowing you've learned something. Yeah. All you're doing is taking instructions. Now, I'll always give this example is when you buy your brand new TV. Yeah, nobody opens up the manual to have a look. You want to play about it with it. You want to learn as you're doing stuff. And that's for me. I think that's a great thing you know and I even sometimes risk it with your flat pack furniture you thought right let's have a go (laughs) if this goes wrong yeah I'll follow the manual in that case so that's number two okay and uh, so by the way these aren't in any ranking order yeah this this is what I use and thirdly for my own development is peer-to-peer I believe there's so much out there just because somebody is just A designer or just a delivery person or someone who runs the admin side of things you know what they have so much knowledge which unfortunately they can't share you know or they're not given a platform to share it on but you can go and tap into people and that's why you know i know it's become uh, a common word you know the phrase itself like communities of practice that is so important It's like the WhatsApp group I've joined. You know, it's people contributing left, right and center and you always get gems on there. Nuggets, people willing to help each other, you know, on WhatsApp. Whereas they can be spending that time with their family, which they do, but they are. Someone posts a query, it's being answered. And this is, you know, like I said, I was anti-technology, but this is a great tool for learning. You know, whatever you can do there, use it, learn from it and keep on learning from it. Cool. So I guess this is kind of why this podcast come about. Mm
0: -hmm. So when I created that WhatsApp group, yes, I found, you know, there's lots and lots of people in there and they've all got their own stories. And this is kind of the reason why this comes about. Because I think we can be great in WhatsApp group and we can share Mm -hmm. our knowledge and we can do this. But actually, who's the people in there? Who 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 is the real Sakib? Who's the real Danny? Who's Mm -hmm. the real insert name? But I guess okay then. So next question. You can have a billboard, right, Sakib? Right. You can have this billboard. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, millions of people are going to see this billboard, millions upon millions of people. And you can, what would you, what message, um, yeah, what what message, you know, metaphorical speaking, or what words would you have on there, what you'd want millions and billions of people to see? So let's just say it's on a motorway
1: and people are driving past it. There's a quote that you saw always was in training. So I had the th- thing, especially in induction training, where every single day there'd be a new quote. And then two, three days in, people say, "All oh, right, you change the quotes every single day," and you know that's you can call it indirect learning or you know subconsciously learning. You know, and one of my favorites would be that life becomes harder when we live for others, but it also becomes richer and happier. And as maybe as a not just a as a small community, as a country, as a world, you know, this whole thing of individualism, you know, it is on the rise. And maybe it's time that we bought it back in, you know, or just a simple thing about smiling, helping others in that way. Mm? Yeah. Uh, you recommended a movie to me a few years back, which is called Pay It Forward. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was an old movie uh, with an actor, which I'm guessing I can't mention. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably not worth mentioning his name anyway. (laughs) But you thought, what a great story. I mean, I don't remember that movie coming out. I don't remember it getting, you know, the plaudits it deserved at that time. But what a great message it had, pay it forward. And can you imagine if we implemented that in our lives, that you help one person with the intention of expecting nothing in return? And then that person would do it to somebody else, to somebody else. And, you know, where would we be just in the space of a week?
0: Yeah. I'd love to do that here at this canteen. Uh I'd love to see someone getting a brew and go, here's the thing, I'm going to get you this brew. Yes. And all I want you to do is Uh pass this on and get somebody else a brew Mm -hmm. today. And that's the
1: only build to this whole thing. I just think,
0: wow, it'd be good. And so someone that goes, no, I'm not doing it, but I'm getting a free brew.
1: Yeah. (laughs) See, we can have this conversation and uh, with somebody else it'll be, yeah. But what if that person doesn't get a brew for somebody else, then, you yes. know, but you know what? Forget them. You might not even get to that person, but before you reach that person, you've already reached out to a hundred, 150 people. And that person then has no impact on that message being carried on. That domino effect. Yeah, that domino
0: effect. You're right. And is that, does that feel good factor for you as well? Is that, you know. Yeah. I don't think anyone does this to feel good. It's not a selfish act for you to feel good, but you do. Yeah. You do feel good when you when you you naturally feel a better person when you give back. You go, you know what? I've just wasted. Th- I've just. I've just wasted three weeks holiday. Yeah, but actually, what I've done is I've gone and worked with loads of young adults or the mosque or whatever, yeah. and I've done my bit there, and you
1: know I've made that impact. Do last week when it snowed? Uh, the weather was really really bad, and well. Obviously he thought, actually, tell you what, fancy takeout. So went to our favourite, Chunky Chicken, Yes. Uh, tons of snow on the road. Me and my son went and right opposite Chunky Chicken sat on the pavement. On his own bag was a homeless man and the state of him. And as I drove past, he held a cup out asking for money. So I drove past him, parked up and I'd given my order by phone anyway. Walked across to the gentleman, and uh, with my son with me, and I said, tell you what, I said, the shelters are open because of the weather. Let me drive you yeah, to the shelter, where at least you'll be warm and you can have a nice cup of tea. There'll be sleeping arrangements for you as well. He said, no. He goes, him and his mates are happy just out here. Yeah? And I said, right, I don't want to... You know, be insistent that, look, look, let me take you, let me take you. I end up, you know, being a kidnap in that (laughs) way. Yeah. Yeah. And will people be bothered that a homeless man has gone missing? So I said to him, when's the last time you ate? He goes, I haven't. I said, I'm going across there. What is it that you fancy? Yeah. And he goes, can I have a cheeseburger and chips, please? Yeah. I said, what drink would you like with (laughs) that, sir? And he goes, get me whatever drink you want. So I went across and my son goes, Dad, are you really going to get him a cheeseburger? Yeah? I said, yeah, why not? Yeah. But where's he going to eat it? I said, he's going to eat it there where he's happy. So I went in, my order said, look, can I have a quick cheeseburger? Well, I tell you what, why don't you drop it off? Yeah, and the guy looked at me in a strange way. I said, I'm going to pay for it, but why don't you drop it off? (laughs) And he goes, no, you're all right. Then I asked, her, said, has that bloke come inside? Because what I wanted to do was for him to have his meal inside. This is what I was trying to get at. But they thought, look, there's families in here and look at this guy. You know, maybe he's there. So we got it packed up, dropped it for him there. And he ate it there in the road. And for me, it wasn't because, you know, I was going to make the headlines the next day. He's a fellow human being. He's going through a hard time. You know, at that time, I was in a privileged position. You know, I had a spare three pound. A three pound is nothing, you know, to buy him that meal. Yeah. And, you know, he gracefully accepted it. And it was a case of, you know, yeah, mate, thank you very much, let's have a selfie moment as well. You know, and that none of that. And for me, it was a case of, look, I'm just helping out someone who's a fellow human being, because several people have helped me in the past. And also, a lesson for my son to Mm. see that look, this is what life is all about. It's about helping others. And maybe, you know, one day when he grows old, he can do the same thing. Yeah, that's cool.
0: So, if I guess, just wrapping up now, I guess, what's what, how
1: do you switch off? How do I switch off? So, in the evening, what I do is, I'll go home after work, chill, relax with my mum and dad. Kids come back from mosque. We'll eat together, and this is one thing I really I think instilled by my parents is eating together. And it just adds so much to the meal. And just to go off on a tangent, let me ask you a question, Danny. When you go for a meal, what's more important, the quality of the food or the company you're with? Hundred percent the company. Hundred percent the company. Yeah. And I'm telling you now. You can call it confirmation bias or whatever you want to do. That food can be average. But because you're with the company that you're with, that food has been elevated. You think, oh wow, this is pretty good food. As a direct result of the company you're with. Because if you came on your own to sat down, maybe, you know, just to kill some time and you had that meal, you think, oh no, this is a waste of time. I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a complaint. Yeah. So I like to spend time with my family. And then after that, kids will do their homework, etc. cetera. Uh, I might play on my phone. It's a good opportunity. You know, <laughs> eight ball pool I've been to at this moment in time. Okay. Uh, I'm not addicted, though. Just to let like, you know.
0: Just the self. It's just like um, yeah. It's a good development tool for your pool
1: game. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, the fact that I play it every night for three hours. Okay. And I wake up in the morning and I play it. No, I'm <laughs> only joking. We'll always try and do something fun. So if it's not read a book, uh, we'll play cards, you know, blackjack, chase the ace in that way. And recently, I've subscribed to the Beano comic. Oh, wow. And I remember doing it as a child and do it now. So just have a a good read, you know. And sometimes, occasionally, watch something on TV, like uh, some documentary that's on at the time, something that you can enjoy, even like location, location, location know find out what eight million pound will buy you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in that way so just a nice relaxing evening and I will always try and get to bed early as well okay yeah so if if you wasn't doing what you was doing now uh-huh what would you be doing what would I be doing
0: yeah
1: I've had this conversation often and I said I wouldn't mind pushing trolleys at Asda or Tesco okay but I'd want to be doing something where I am constantly interacting with people. Okay. And I'm guessing it does come from my first job as a student would have been working in Morrison's stacking crisps. Okay, it was in the evening, but that whole thing, you know, customer service, it develops from it, you know, from one point or another, it's the fact that that's maybe, I think where I learned my customer service skills from and then developed further. And then, you know, talk, talk, given the opportunity as well on the design side of stuff which I enjoy but if anything I'd be doing is something I'd be content with but it'd have to be interacting with other people and you know what I wouldn't mind uh, being a teacher okay because I did my teaching qualification and it'd be something really really good because I do believe I've got a good rapport with youngsters in that sense and be able to Not just to teach them, but also to learn from them and find out. And you can help people, you know, make their paths in life, see how they're going to develop, and just aid them on their way.
0: Cool. Okay. I guess two questions, and then we're done. Cool. Um, Question one. Yes. Who's the three... I like the number three. Yes. And who's the three people who you think i have yeah. main who, who's the three people you learn from right now professionally who's who's the three people who you kind of maybe you follow him on linkedin maybe you follow him mm. on twitter i don't know if you're on twitter yeah. linkedin or maybe engage with him on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. I, I don't know who who's like the three people who yeah
1: uh for me it'd be linkedin i'm a novice so i've just recently joined linkedin yeah and i've realized the massive potential on LinkedIn, just as a learning tool. Get yourself there, you know, what's out there, people are posting, people are sharing their knowledge and I think it's great. So it's early dose for me yet to say, you know, who on LinkedIn in that way. But my first connection was you, Danny. So everything that you (laughs) post on there, I do read, which is good. Other people I like to listen to or to read from it's probably going to be very vague you know it's probably the the tools more than anything else so for example ted talks i find very inspirational like everyone out there yeah. they're, they're very meaningful and you know what everyone will take something different from the ted talk you know because it's relatable to every single person out there yeah. in that way. Books are very, very good. I love books. Uh, Matthew Said, as an author, he's good. His book, which I'm reading at the moment, you're going to help me out, down here. Is it the Black Box. Yeah,
0: Black Box Thinking. That's is the it? one, yes. Yeah. And the fact that he used
1: to be a table tennis player.
0: Hmm.
1: yeah And he came up with this idea of the 10,000 hour rule. So if you do something for 10,000 hours, become really good at it at professional level. Yeah. So maybe that's what I need to do with table tennis. <laughs> 10,000 hours. Get him in, Yeah. Get him in. Get him in. And that's it. So, I, I mean, I'll struggle to put names to people yeah. in that way. But people will send you clips on WhatsApp or by email. And then, you know, you just get onto YouTube and you listen. But it's about sharing. And then even here at work, I think we've got some great people here yeah. at work like so you know the head of l which is Ian Turner just from team meetings you can take so much and uh, my manager Ed as well yeah. you know just his knowledge that he has on everything so his management skills and then plus his knowledge level which is really really helpful because he'll sit down and he'll have that chat give you friendly advice as well so that's really really good and to me I think I am in a privileged position To be amongst nice people, genuine people, it works wonders. Because it has an impact on your life after work as well, because you're not always stressed out in that way. And uh, I used to believe that stress never existed, but it does exist. Yeah, Uh, I'll openly admit that now. And it's how people deal with it. Which is key to me because I've seen a lot of friends suffer from stress in that way. And, you know, take a turn for the worse. But then they've come out of it in that regard. But I think there needs to be more out there because I know the government's doing a lot about mental health issues as well at this time. So lots of people have been in denial in regards to that. But now you know we have money spent on it.
0: Cool. What? What? So I guess. Um, last question, mm-hmm. and then and then I'll get some information where people can reach out for you. So cool. last question I opened it up with at the beginning. Yeah. What do you want to be when you when you grow older when you're in school? Yes. What do you want to be, Saki, when you grow older? Because obviously, we we continue to grow, we continue to get older. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't stop once you leave school, Mm. it continues. So, what do you want to be when you grow older?
1: I was going to say, I want to be John Barnes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, but my footballing ability isn't up to that. So, when I grow older, what do I want to be? I'm going to actually give you a profession. Okay. Yes. I want to be a baker
0: all right okay. yes
1: I like to be a baker uh, I'm pretty useless in the kitchen as it comes to it uh, I don't mind doing the dishes doing my share but when it comes to actually making it's uh, absolute no-go I can follow a recipe and then still get it wrong uh, and the reason why I mentioned that is because you know cakes put a smile on people's faces okay yeah so Notice that next time you go to the supermarket and you see people, look at their moods when you see someone in the bread aisle or, you know, the detergent aisle. And see how they are. And then see their facial expressions when they're at the bakery. Because it just has, you know, that positive impact on people. That when they're at the bakery, maybe it's the whole aroma that comes from, you know, the cakes, the freshly baked cakes, the donuts. And even the staff that work there are pretty friendly. So I'd love to be a baker. And if I can't be a baker, then like I said, I'd be happy, yeah, just putting the jam into donuts. <laughs>
0: yeah. yes, Saqib. Yeah. So if people want to find out a bit more about you, Saqib, um, professionally, where did we go? Uh,
1: LinkedIn, find me, LinkedIn, mohammed Saqib. Uh, that's my name. Uh, so actually, that'd be a good point to finish off in. mohammed Saqib, uh, I mean, how do you introduce me? I'm a Saqib, I'm a Mohammed Saqib. So throughout, so my passport, it is Muhammad Sakib. Okay. Uh, my given name is Sakib, which, you know, in our culture here in the UK, we see that as a surname, but in other cultures, it's not. Okay. So you can say that I've got two first names and two surnames, Mohammed Sakib. And interestingly, uh, I'm going to self-promote myself now on LinkedIn. Uh, I did an article uh, only last week, which is about a session I delivered in school to year five children. And it was all centered around helping other people in life. So I'm not going to tell you about what I did, etc. I'd like you to read the article. But on there, there's another guy who helped me out. It was my cousin. My cousin came from Canada uh, because we'd had the death in the family. Yeah. And so I decided to take him along with me. So he's helped me set up everything. So he just parked himself on the side, sat down. And uh, when I introduced myself, I said, look, my name is Mohammed Saqib. And this is and he was also Mohammed Saqib, me and my cousin. (laughs) I didn't know that was his full name as well, Mohammed Saqib. And I said, when I spoke to them, I said, I've not seen you in 25 years. You know, I didn't even know who to look out for when I went to pick you up at the (laughs) airport. Yeah. And the fact is, I said, how does it work? Why are you Mohammed Saqib? And I'm Mohammed Saqib. We're first cousins, and there's only two months in it. So he's two months older than I am. Okay. So we go back to 76. When we were born, we didn't have a phone. They didn't have a phone. Not many people did have a phone. But how, you know, strange <laughs> is this that his parents named him Mohammed Sakib, my parents named me Mohammed Sakib, and then it was only when I was two or three months old that we wrote a letter back to Pakistan at that time just saying look you know we've got a newborn he's called Muhammad Sakib. yeah they got it I said whoa what a coincidence we've also <laughs> called our son Mohammed Sakib. yeah but amazing. you know once you've got your name registered there's no going back your birth certificates handwritten in that way so my given name is Saqib throughout school I was called Sakib in that way and that's how people recognize me so if you come to the hood which is Rochdale and if you ask for Sakib, then hopefully they should know yeah, uh, who I am. Awesome. Cheers, Sakib. No worries. Thanks for Thank your time.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye.